one, two, three. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Wild, wild Women. Okay, so Camille, what's our topic for today? Pride and LGBT. Awesome, awesome. Um, so what kind of things do we want to talk about today? What can people expect to hear from this recording? Well, I do really want to touch base on like the history behind um, Pride and obviously where we are at today um, in Canada and in the world. We're going to talk a little bit about like sexuality and um, homophobia and gender identity. And um, I think something that we're going to also mention is um, like bisexuality and um, the standards between men and women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when it comes to pride, what's, why do we have pride crates? What in history has kind of revoked this type of revolution? Okay, so I did my research. Mm -hmm. um, I knew most of it, but you know, just wanted to make sure and have accurate informations so the it was actually a riot um in stonewall in june in 1969 so that's a while ago mm -hmm. and so that's how it all started it was a riot um because there was a raid by police officers into a nightclub oh HIV and AIDS, um, the epidemic in the USA in the 1980s, which was initially called gay-related immune deficiency. Yeah, so basically you realize that the government like didn't, didn't react much. Um, they didn't do much. They didn't made any research really on the topic because it was mostly gay men that were affected. So it was kind of a form of homophobia and discrimination. Same-sex marriage became legal in Canada in 2005. That was only 15 years ago. Yeah. And in 2000, same-sex parents were allowed to um, adopt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy how recent, like, all these changes have been to give same-sex couples rights. Um, I read this article about sources of fear in American society. Um, and unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, like, everyone can have their own religious views, but a lot of the fears related to sex, sexuality, homophobia, um, had to do with, like, traditional religious doctrines. Um, so even during the AIDS epidemic, um, there were doctors that were condemning condoms and saying that, you know, it, it just, um, it allows same-sex couples to be together, especially, well, mostly men. And then it also, um, it allows youth, or not youth, but young adults who aren't married to have sex outside of marriage. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just there are still some states that have banned uh, vibrators and sex toys. Um, and a lot of that has to do with uh, an innate fear of women's sexuality without a man present. Mm -hmm. You know, how women could have the 
could have sexual contact that is as good or even better with something that isn't a man. And that's very, a lot of feminists like have pushed against this. And because of that, some uh, courts have allowed the sale of vibrators and sex toys in some of the states, um, but they'd have to take a medical stance on it. So it can just be women, you know, having pleasure from sex. They had to like prove it medically that women need to learn to have an orgasm, which is kind of, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, like that wouldn't happen for a guy. No, exactly. And you see that double standard just in, in general, right? You know, a guy's, a guy's praised for being hyper-masculine and having multiple sex partners while a girl's considered promiscuous or slutty if she does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like bisexual, um, bisexual men are not as accepted in society compared to bisexual women. Yeah, it's almost like the exact opposite compared to the double standard about, you know, having multiple sex partners, right? Like women bisexuality is often praised. And like you see it just in like regular touch as in women's women hugging and holding hands. Like that's that's normal. Whereas for men, like they avoid that stuff because of that heteronormative standard where they have to be hyper masculine. Yeah, but also I think it comes back to the fact that uh, women are like objectified. Mm-hmm. So to like two lesbians or if you have a same sex couple of women, mm-hmm. it's going to be like objectified. It's going to be a turn on for a lot of men. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. And like in any type of pornography, it's often catered to men. You know, it's catered around the pleasure of men. Mm. Right? So Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that I could talk about, like, personally regarding that is, um, as a bisexual woman, you get asked a lot um, to be the unicorn. So that's a term um, that people use when a um, straight couple, or at least most of the time the guy is straight, when a couple... Um, ask a bisexual woman to join in for sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another, like going back to the like homophobia and so mm-hmm. on, um, even men who were gay, they get, I feel like they get ridiculed more than a woman would for being lesbian. Mm. Um, and like tradition and religious stuff, uh, being with a same-sex person wasn't only condemned, but stuff like uh, even masturbating was considered weak. But interestingly enough, um, I did some studies in like history, like back in the Roman time, um, and even in some uh, remote countries, it's seen as a good thing for men to give blowjobs um, to older soldiers. So it was a way to for them to receive power. Really? Yeah. It's but- weird that like back then it would be like kind of praise and now it's like the opposite. 
yeah, it's crazy, crazy how things change. So I don't know if you remember um, the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting, which was four years ago. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's definitely scary when, you know, people are targeted, like, solely because of their sexuality and, like, um, it does cause a lot of worry, but then it can also initiate more people to stand up behind them. Yeah. We see every year the um, acceptance and the voting for same-sex couples to be legally married, to legally adopt children. It's getting higher and higher, even in the States. Um, Now, a lot of that comes from our, our generation being accepting of it. Mm-hmm. But we're still even seeing in some of the older generations, they're starting to understand it too. And yeah, it's it's so sad that like people couldn't stand up for them before that. But when shootings like that happen, it, you know, it hits those people who aren't like it, it forces them to say something, you know, like mm-hmm. if they support them, they're going to say something and they're going to do something about it just like kind of like the shooting of George Floyd, you know, like it turned the heads of a lot of people, even people who weren't super aware of white privilege and so on. And as awful as that was, it changes how a lot of people view things and it opens their eyes to see how much danger some of these people could be in just because of their race or sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. When it comes to homophobia, have you ever seen or experienced any of it? Um, so I've experienced more of biphobia, which oh. is more like especially towards bi women mm. or men. So yeah, I experienced some of um, some biphobic comments. Some of them were after I broke up with my girlfriend. Um, some people were like, oh, well, you miss being with someone with a penis. Like that's really heteronormative and really disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And what a lot of people don't understand is that uh, sexuality is, it's a spectrum, just like gender is a spectrum, sexuality is a spectrum. And basically what that means is, you know, there's one end of the spectrum where it's you know completely straight the other end is completely lesbian or gay and then within that middle ground like there's mostly straight or mostly lesbian or mostly gay and then there's bisexual in the middle and a lot of the time people don't understand that you know people who people don't understand that someone can be attracted to both sexes yeah I don't know if you heard, but there was a study like a while ago, and it showed that women are more likely to be bisexual than men. And even if they don't identify as being bisexual, you can have like sexual attraction and then romantic attraction. Like, for example, some people are homosexual, but then heteroromantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically like someone can have desires for the same sex or and the opposite sex or just one of them. They can have fantasies about it and it doesn't actually mean that they're going to sexually engage in those Mm -hmm. desires. 
Um, but yeah, someone who's bisexual could have never had sex with someone of the same sex before. They probably, have, they could even not have ever done anything physical with that person, but they could with their, the same sex, but they could still be bisexual if, you know, they do have desires or they fantasize about that kind of thing too, right? Yeah, like at the end of the day, it's a label. Don't let it put you or anyone else in boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, another thing that's really surfaced in the in recent years is transsexuality or mm-hmm. transgender. Um, and it's, oh, it, it's a tough topic because there's very, very little research done in that area. There's definitely in academia and like there's getting more articles written about it, but like not a whole lot of studies done on it. But in a lot of countries, unless someone doesn't have the correct body parts, um, they cannot identify as that gender. So if a woman identifies herself as a man, she cannot be legally recognized as a man unless she gets the reconstructive surgery to become a man in legal terms. And you can imagine how hard that is for someone who's you know, doesn't identify themselves as their sex at birth, and then they're not even allowed to identify how they feel later on because of, you know, legal policies. And even if it is, like, legal, like, here in Canada, it's still extremely hard. Uh, Like, trans youth have the highest suicide rate. They also have the highest... um, hate crimes against them like there's so many steps through the process um to even get a surgery and it's so expensive and then the documents and just again the way the system is made it's kind of transphobic mm-hmm. oh yeah 100 100 percent. like especially like if we're talking about the states you know like they have they don't have a lot of the healthcare policies that we have in Canada. Mm-hmm. So for someone to change gender, you're talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars to do so. That system is not transphobic itself then what is, right? Yeah. And uh, talking about that, like I don't know if you saw in the news, um but recently the the I think the Supreme Court just ordered that you couldn't discriminate someone on their sexual orientation or gender identity in the workplace. However, uh, Trump just recently took out the rights of the protection for the healthcare system for the LGBT community. So it's like we win some rights, but we lose some. And it's like, it's the same thing all over the world. Um, Some countries in Europe have a gay free zone. So it's basically if you're gay and you're in there, like, you're not safe. Really? Yeah. That's awful. Mm. And like, for me, I love traveling, but I can't travel anywhere without checking first Mm -hmm. because things as like my Facebook like I'm open and I'm proud of it Mm -hmm. but I can't go anywhere without thinking about it first 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. And you'd think in Europe where, you know, they do have really good healthcare and they are pretty um, forward thinking, you know, and open minded in a lot of areas. Like it's crazy to think that they're not, they're more evolutionized with their thinking when it comes to sexuality. So it's mainly Eastern Europe that you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like um, closer to Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Because like in some of those uh, those countries in Asia, there are, you know, women can get killed for having sex before marriage, even if they were raped, just because it looks bad on the family. They call it honor killings and stuff like homosexuality and masturbation there too they're definitely in danger i definitely want to mention a corrective corrective rape since we're on that topic so basically it's you know how in the u.s they have like conversion therapy Mm -hmm. and it's like it's not actually therapy though but it's the idea that like i'm gonna cure you Mm -hmm. so corrective rape is mostly in south africa and it's basically like if I have sexual intercourse with someone that is attracted to same sex, um, it's going to cure them from their attraction. And obviously they're yeah. non-consented, so that's why it's rape. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And what you're talking about during that conversion therapy, what they do is they identify people as having gender identity disorder. Um, and so anyone who's identifies themselves as a different sex than they were born at as birth, like in birth, they, a lot of them have experienced that in some time in their life. And like, even today, like adults who are trans, uh, transgender, they likely went through some type of conversion therapy at some point, especially in the U.S., yeah, it says an estimated 20,000 LGBTQ minors in USA in some states have been through it, like, each year. Because it's still legal in some states. Yeah. And, like, there's even, like, conversion therapy camps. Really? Oh, yeah. That's insane. So, what kind of things can we do to... um support LGBTQ and how do we raise awareness and teach people about uh, sexuality as a spectrum? Um, What are things that that you think are very important? Education, um, sex health in high school would be important like where I went to and it was a public school and we have close to no education on like how to have sex with the same gender. Oh, Um, gender, gotcha. Yeah. Another thing I would say, like, support LGBT businesses, LGBT, like, music and all of that, and boycott any businesses that don't support LGBT. And one thing that's big with Pride is a lot of companies, like, uh, show the Pride flag, but they don't actually have any inclusion in the company itself. So it's important to, like research those things yeah yeah i i agree with you i think education is so so important and 
I, I know a lot about the states because like the states have huge issues with homophobia and biphobia and transphobia. Um, so most of the funding goes into teaching children, well, youth in high school or whatever, not to have sex. And they take honor pledges and obviously that doesn't, that doesn't do anything. Um, studies have shown that they only have, they still have sex before marriage. They still have sex with multiple partners. Mm-hmm. And that's only delayed by a year and a half, if that. So when it comes to education, I think it's so, so important to teach about not only sexuality, but and safe sex, but like the different types of sexuality and um, the different types of genders and how people can identify themselves differently than um, what most people would expect. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of taboo around sex and sexuality in general. And if we can start teaching kids about all that stuff early on, then I feel a lot of that taboo could dissipate at least. A lot of the time it's parents that feel very uneasy about their youth learning about sex or having sex but uh, at the end of the day they're going to do it you know and they're going to do it earlier than you want them to anyway so they might as well learn how to do it and how to do it safely yeah there's definitely a lot of cases of uh you know people like getting hurt sexually like even during consensual sex because they, they don't know how to do it and they don't know what's healthy and what's not. And yeah, so if we can learn and maybe not even in school, but like just in programs and so on, like even in sports, like I feel like it'd be important to teach our athletes about how to have sex consensually and safely, you know? Yeah, and even like representation, that's a big thing for me. Like growing up, like I knew... I was bisexual from an early age. Like, I knew I was bisexual from an early age, but I didn't have anyone to look up to. I didn't know what it would look like, and I didn't even know that it was possible to have a family with someone from the same sex until, like, someone in my close circle had that. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's possible. And even like in the medias, like TV shows, I'm always so excited when there's a same sex couple in it. Mm -hmm. And like, when you think about it, like these couples have to go through a lot of challenges that heterosexual couples don't have to go through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they must really feel strongly about themselves and for someone if they're going to risk the challenges that lay ahead for them to be in a relationship. Same thing with, um, you know, gay and lesbian parents, like a lot of, um, there's a lot of researchers that argue that they are better parents because a, like their desire to have children is so high and B, the challenges that they went through and the perseverance and resilience that they had to have to be able to have a child. Um, it's like, obviously they're going to be good parents, right? Yeah. In some parts of France, uh, queer is considered a subculture. And subcultures um, are thought to be something that people grow out of. So a quote I learned through one of my readings was, queer is to 
straight as adolescents are to adults. So basically signifying that they aren't mature, that they're going to grow out of it, that it's not, um, you know, it's not their like end place. And of course that causes issues for them to have families and children because children are thought to be like the symbol of purity. And there's so many heteronormative layers that come with family life and reproduction that it's, um, there's questions not even about not letting them for like homophobic reasons, but literally researchers are asking like, is it okay for the child? Because like, what if the child is discriminated because of their parents? But, you know, studies do show that people that are in countries that are more accepting of it. Um, so for example, I think it's Denmark that's very accepting mm -hmm. of same-sex couples. Um, and the children raised by same-sex couples face little to no discrimination for their parents. But like in the United States, it would be a different story, right? Yeah, because it comes back to society, not the family itself. Yeah. And another thing about children raised in same-sex families, they're often a lot less conforming. They're a lot more accepting. They've grown up in, you know, a family that's different from the norm. And because of that, they're a lot more open-minded about things. Their, their concept of, they have almost no concept of heteronormativity unless they're discriminated against, you know? Um, they do say, though, that daughters raised in same-sex families are at a much lesser risk than sons. So because of that, you see a lot more daughters being raised by same-sex couples than sons because, I don't know, guys are just meaner to each other, I guess. And, I mean, like, it could go back to, like, just the ideology of men having to be hyper-masculine, right? Mm -hmm. And how can a man be hyper-masculine if his parents are gay or lesbian? I, if on that spectrum I talked about earlier, I'd consider myself mostly straight. So, like, I'm attracted to women and like I fantasize about women, um, but I haven't had many sexual encounters with women. I haven't had a relation, same-sex relationship before, um, and I've definitely had quite a few heterosexual relationships. Um, so yeah, I consider myself mostly straight, and because of that, like I'm not super, super vocal about my bisexuality. Not because you know I'm scared to be vocal about it. Um, more so just because it's not, like, it's just my identity. Why does everyone else have to know about it, you mm. know? Um, yeah, I do know, though, that here, I went to school in the States for a year, and there's definitely more taboo around, you know, homosexuality there, and even bisexuality, than there is here. Um, in the States, they have a lot more, like, I feel like in Canada, we're pretty good with the whole spectrum of sexuality. Like, we're getting better and better understanding that there's, like, it's not just heterosexual, bisexual, and homosexual, you know? Like, there's things in between. Mm -hmm. But in the States, they have a much more dichotomous view on it. So that means that the, people can either be gay or straight. There's no in between. Um, so yeah, like I, 
I know that when I was down there, I knew of lesbian people and I knew of gay people, but you know, I never met anyone who was bi, which is weird because especially in women, you know, like it's very, very common for women to have bisexual tendencies, whether they identify themselves as bi or not, right? Yeah, there's a difference between by being bi curious and then being um, like bisexual. Like, is it just sexual or is it also romantic? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people that are attracted sexually to um, women, but not as much romantically necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, I know in like my experience, I honestly just like, don't um like I don't find any women who are it's hard <laughs> you know or it's like, hard yeah especially because like I'm not sure if we've mentioned this before but when when you're not like a tomboy or um but a butch lesbian I guess mm -hmm. when you look like a lesbian then oftentimes like people who are attracted to the same sex won't even bother approaching you yeah okay. yeah i find it crazy that like homosexuality was like criminalized before like it's a weird thing to think about that because of who you are you could go to jail and like that comes back with like right now we see it with racism right mm-hmm just discrimination in general mm -hmm. for, you know, being yourself is scary, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think one thing today that is still a huge thing is for gay men, the ban on giving blood. Really? Oh, yeah. What's, what's the, um, like, what's the argument for that? They might have AIDS, I'm guessing. A lot of that too though like a lot of the time gay men are taught how to have sex safely you know um and that causes a plethora of issues like oh i hate to be graphic about this but putting anything up your bum is gonna cause like could cause damage very very easily because of that, a lot of the time, men could get tears or like hemorrhoids, stuff like that, just because they don't take the proper precautions, like using lube or using um, lubricated condoms, stuff like that. There was even a coronavirus statement that went out. I'm not sure if you've seen it on Facebook, but one of the things that it says is avoid anal sex whether with your mouth or with other body parts oh my god yes <laughs> and i think that's interesting that that article said nothing about penis penetration into a vagina but it's going to mention something like that about your anus right it's kind of like i don't know i feel like there's a little bit of homophobic undertones to that statement in one of my sexuality classes, we saw that um, 
lesbian women in a relationship are more satisfied sexually than straight women in a relationship. And so I think sometimes when guys are like, are against lesbian is because they feel threatened. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally think that. And like, you hear guys all the time because like, I don't know, I know quite a few like um, bi women and one of them is in a relationship with one of my boyfriend's friends. And so of course, like, even though they're just joking, um, sometimes, you know, the man in a bi relationship with a bisexual female will joke around and be like, oh, well, now I have more comp competition, blah, blah, blah. You see that bit of fear when it comes to mm -hmm. a woman's sexuality and how she could potentially be more sexually active. Yeah, yeah and that comes also a lot in the biphobic comments like oh a bi woman will most likely cheat on you or she will go back to being with a guy after like being with a girl and stuff like that so sometimes like even lesbians don't want to date bi women yeah yeah and honestly I want to say that it's more of an issue for lesbians to date a bisexual woman than it is for a guy to date a bisexual woman. Just because um, if you are homosexual and if you are if you are a lesbian, then I think it's an integrity thing. You know, like I think that if someone dates you and then turns around and starts dating someone from the other sex, then it's they feel used sometimes or they could feel degraded to like fulfill your bi curious needs. Mm want to call it that you know what I mean we can talk a little bit about the fact that um gender identity is a continuum as well there's a continuum into the transgender community like some people will feel like even just changing the names is enough while others will feel more comfortable if they do have surgeries mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's a concept that's known as uh doing gender and basically what doing gender refers to is that gender is not something that you possess, rather it's something you do. So it's, and that's typically reflected through your behaviors um, with others, your interpersonal behaviors. Um, and yeah, you're right. There's some people who feel that acting the gender they want to be and having the name of the gender they want to be, that's enough. But there's other people who literally want to physically be the other gender, right? And a lot of people don't understand that because some people will be like, oh, well, this transgender is okay with just changing their name. Why do you need to get a surgery? You know, um, you see that a lot with parents, you know, mm -hmm. parents often have times like accepting the fact that their child is not the gender that well the sex that they was at birth that's those are two different words sex mm -hmm. and gender sex is what you were born as at birth and then gender is what you identify as mm -hmm. um, and 
the issue when it comes to parents is they, the issues that a lot of parents have is they, not that they don't accept their child's new gender, but it mostly has to do with, they feel like they've lost a child, you know, like um, they've had a little girl for 10 years and then all of a sudden she doesn't want to be a little girl anymore and she's a little boy. So like sometimes parents might uh, have feelings of missing their little girl. And that's why a lot of parents do have pushback when it comes to their transgender child. Something that's interesting is also when it comes to transgender, like most of the time they know pretty, pretty early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very early on. And a lot of the time, if the parent can identify it early on, it makes it a lot, a lot mm -hmm. easier for the child. Mm -hmm. Um, and something else that makes it a lot, lot easier um, for someone that identifies as transgender that goes through puberty is if they can uh, take hormones blockers before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, that's probably the last thing that we should touch on when it comes to learning about sexuality at home. I think that sexuality should be an open topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that parents could have a huge, huge effect on how their children are. Like, and what I say that is, I mean, even raising straight children in a non-heteronormative household, you know? So maybe not like always buying your daughter's dolls because girls are supposed to like dolls or not always getting your son trucks and guns and stuff like that trying to fill your house with gender neutral things and um try to get rid of those stereotypes where you know the mom's the homemaker and the dad's the breadwinner stuff like that too right just setting an example for future generations just because then, you know, there's nothing that you have to, like stuff like pride and riots and that kind of thing, like you won't even need to do it because everyone was born and raised in a non-conforming household. Obviously, like that's really far down the road, but if we can like start now, I think it can make a huge, huge difference in the next century or so. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important as well because people don't realize that when you endorse heteronormativity, um, like guys have tendencies to be more sexist, have tendency to be more violent, like all of that baggage comes with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time, anger from men can often come through come from suppressed feelings. Mm -hmm. And why do they suppress their feelings a lot? Well, in a heteronormative household, men cannot be emotional. They're not allowed to be sensitive, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously they're gonna be aggressive. You know, they've been holding up bad feelings for a long time. How else are they gonna be able to portray that without being emotional or without seeming sensitive? And yeah, and that's just, that's the domino effect, right? And then it just ends up affecting 
their relationships with women moving forward. You know, they could be aggressive fathers with both the woman and the children. Causes a lot of gender inequality in the house because heteronormative families usually um, consider the man as a higher status. And yeah, like it just causes a cascade of issues. And that's another argument for homosexual couples is that there's less um, violence because there's more egalitarianism in their um, in their relationships, especially especially in your second wave um, upper middle class white feminists. So thank you for listening.